Lord has once again done a great job orchestrating the music to go along with our Bible study this morning. I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43, those of us who are here on Wednesday night, those of you who have been on Wednesday night, when we went through Isaiah, you may think, didn't we cover it all in Isaiah? Kind of. Uh, <laughs> but there is another passage or another part of this passage, I should say, that I'd like for us to look at this morning, Isaiah chapter 43. What I'd like to do this morning, I haven't done this in a while, but I'd like for us to read the passage and then we'll pause for a moment of prayer and ask the Lord to help us to work in our heart and to encourage us this morning through his word and kind of uh, just quiet our hearts and get our focus back on him. Isaiah chapter 43, we'll just read verse number one to begin this morning, our message, and simply entitled, I'm with him, him speaking to God, and certainly what we just heard sung about, Jesus Christ, I'm with him. Chapter 43, verse one of Isaiah, notice what it's recorded for you and I. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and we can certainly, though this is Speaking of Israel, that we can easily put ourselves in here. We can easily say, O Christian, and he that formed thee, O Christian, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. And you may have heard that word redeemed here in the song that was just sung. For I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. It's a great statement, isn't it? Thou art mine. Let's pray. Father, we ask you this morning that you'd meet with us. We pray, Father, though there may be many forms of distraction, it could be uh, concerns and worries and trials, and it can even be temperature, it can be other things, people around us. And Father, certainly disruptions and distractions abound. But Father, I know that you are able to work in our hearts and in our minds so that we may focus on you this morning. So we pray that would be the case. I, I pray that you'd help each of us, Lord. We carry burdens, and I pray that we've casted those on you already. And now for these next few moments, I, I ask that we'd be able to see our hearts quieted, our minds settled, and our focus on you. Pray your Holy Spirit would work even now, and Lord, in this prayer and the preaching that follows to draw us close to you. May we have a quiet time with you this morning in this message. May we see you and you alone. May we sit at your feet and desire to learn of you. And, Father, may we relish the reality that we're with you, that we're yours. You've claimed us. May that joy and happiness that flows from such a realization fill our hearts this morning. I pray for the downtrodden. I pray for the discouraged this morning that you'd lift their hearts up. I pray for the one filled with pride, Father, that you'd humble them this morning. I pray, Lord, whatever the need may be in all of our hearts and our lives, that you'd meet it this morning through the preaching of your word, your powerful word. Lord, may it do what you said it would, that it would not return void. Bless now. I pray that you use this very incapable speaker to promote and, Lord, to speak your very powerful word. Thank you for your love for us, the many ways you show it to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm sure each of us or most of us have seen the shirt before and uh, it may be as innocuous as I'm with her or I'm with him, a shirt that reads that and has an arrow pointing and, and probably the more famous one, though I wouldn't necessarily endorse the word, but there's one that says I'm with stupid and has an arrow pointing and uh, went and I think the best version of that that I've ever seen though, it says I'm with stupid and has an arrow pointing up. Uh, anyway, so uh, uh, self-degradation I guess, but anyway, uh, you 
see that, and, and we see those shirts identifying who you're with, whatever the case may be, how you want to describe it. Well, that goes well beyond a shirt that says, I'm with. Uh, you can see, especially now during football season, but other times, there's many people who wear a jersey or, or some kind of apparel that has a favorite team on it, Detroit Lions, University of Michigan, Michigan State, and, and literally they are proclaiming, I'm with them, or I'm, I'm a part of, at least in their fandom, at least in their uh, cheering, whatever you want to describe it. And uh, there's many people now today that wear a, a shirt that has their work logo on it, or uh, an association, something that they belong to, if you may put it that way. Others have a club or a group that they belong to, and uh, they advertise that through their apparel, and uh, whatever the case may be, whatever it is, they're all communicating that I belong to something, that I belong to something or to someone. And there's something to be said for belonging to something or someone. It does meet a deep longing within each of us, within mankind, to belong somewhere. Many a time, someone who is discouraged, depressed, has maybe mentioned to you, as some have mentioned to me, I just don't feel like I belong. I, I just don't feel like I fit in. I don't feel like I belong to something or to someone. It may be work. It may be to a family. And sadly, it may even be a church. And their feelings are convinced them I, I just don't belong. You know, even in the midst of crowds, someone can feel great loneliness. They can feel all alone simply because they don't feel like they belong. Can I want to tell you this morning, Christian, that you have absolutely no reason to feel all alone. No reason to be lonely. No reason to feel despair in a difficult world. Because you belong to God. I'm with Him. And that is a wonderful privilege that you and I enjoy. The song, I am his and he is mine, tremendous hymn. I love that. Communicates this truth. You are his and he is yours. It's an assurance that God gives Israel here in the midst of their toughest days. The same encouragement that God wants you and I to have today as his children. So very much, this message this morning is to come alongside of us and to turn our focus on God and at the same time to encourage you and I that it, it's not about me, that in all reality, I'm just with him. And there is no one better to be with, to belong to, than God Almighty. God Jehovah. And so this verse, again, let, let's read it now as we have a little context of, uh, of what we understand. We'll jump down. And he says, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, and certainly we could say again, O Christian, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Great truth. I want to share with you three practical truths that we can take away from this passage to encourage us today as we're with him. In order to belong to him, though, there had to be what we would call an appropriated price. A, a given, a paid price, appropriated for your, your cost, the penalty of There had to be an appropriated price, and it produces this powerful consequence of belonging to God. So immediately, this is what we must acknowledge. Okay, it is great, and it is a wonderful thing to belong to God, for Him to say to me and to you, Thou art mine. But reality tells us this morning that not everyone belongs to God. 
It's not something that masses can claim. Not every person that is born into life can claim belonging to God as Isaiah details here. On Wednesday night, I shared it with the folks that together for our Bible study. You know, there's a common misconception today in our teenagers. I think here just a, a week or two ago. There's a common misconception today that everybody, if they're born, are the children of God. That He is our Father. My friend, I'll tell you, that just is not so that comes at a price you don't belong to god unless the price is paid unless there is a price appropriated a payment appropriated yes he is the creator of all but he is only the father of those who put their faith and trust in jesus christ important principle important truth and so there had to be an appropriated price the redemption as Isaiah states here in verse 1, for I have redeemed thee. We know redemption well. We've detailed it in message after message. It's the idea of a payment of a price, like a slave being redeemed, being bought by a new owner, a slave up on the auctioning block, and someone comes along, I'll give $20 or $100, whatever the case may be, I'll pay the penalty for that, I'll redeem him, not a penalty, but a price, I'll pay that price for that slave. And after that, it is the prerogative of the new owner uh, whether to grant freedom to free the slave. And here's the reality. Not everyone that is born uh, is belongs to God in the sense that Isaiah writes of. But could I remind you and encourage you this morning, the fact is this. We gladly proclaim that anybody can be redeemed. Anybody can belong to God. This verse can be for you if you will just simply accept the free gift of salvation that God offers. You know what? If you've ever studied literature, if you're any what any sort of connoisseur of Hollywood movies and things like that, it is a constant theme throughout literature, throughout Hollywood movies and things like that. It is a constant theme, a story about, uh, well, we might describe it as a lost heir. Uh, someone who is due to inherit a lot, a, a great inheritance, a lot of money, and a lost heir is discovered, or a lost prince, uh, part of a royal family, has is living in obscurity. Uh, they're, they're, they don't have much, and, and the movie or the literature details how they are discovered, they are found, and they are restored to their bountiful inheritance, their place as a prince, or whatever the case may be. I'll tell you, the Hallmark Channel has a monopoly on those kind of movies. You know, you, you find somebody who's living like nothing, and boy, oh, look, you found out you, you inherited millions of dollars. We've been looking for you for 50 years, or you're a prince of another country. And I, story after story about that. Hey, listen to me. That's all fake. It's not real. I hate to burst your bubble. Those are stories. They're made up. But can I tell you the simple truth is this? God in heaven today is looking for lost humanity. He is the creator looking for his creation that he intended and designed to enjoy much more than they are enjoying right now. You could honestly say that every human being is a lost heir of what God intended for all of us from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden, to enjoy a close relationship with Him. And today the Bible tells us that God is come to seek and to save those which are lost. 
And that is a story of mankind that has lost a great gift in relationship and, and, and camaraderie and companionship with God through sin. And now God is seeking to restore that today. And I'll tell you, my friend, that's better than anything Hollywood could offer. Because that is a true story. God is seeking and desiring to restore Lost humanity. The word here, he wants to redeem, buy us back, to pay the penalty for sin, to restore his magnificent plans that he laid down from the beginning of time and that were messed up because of man's choice to sin. I like how one author described it, and forgive me. Actually, let's back up here. Let's uh, understand this truth. Any person can choose to accept or reject God's redemption. And when we choose to accept the free gift of salvation or reject it, his redemption, we are accepting and rejecting the wonderful privilege of belonging to God. See, when we put our faith and trust in God and Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, in that moment you and I come to belong to God. Thou art mine. I'm with him what we choose in salvation i like how one author described it he in describing this picture he said this because of sin and unbelief people find themselves scattered amid the perishing dust like a priceless gem lost and overlooked god graciously looks down and he offers to lift us out of our helpless plight and restore us to a place in his spiritual family my friend that is the gospel story That's the truth, the reality. And that doesn't come cheaply. It costs a great price that must be appropriated, that must be paid. For you and I, it costs us nothing to belong to God. But it costs God, one might say, everything. An expensive price that he lovingly and willingly paid. One of the things I like about this passage in Isaiah, God is speaking to the nation of Israel, and he's saying, wait a second, I've redeemed you, and it didn't come lightly. There was a great price attached to me redeeming you as a nation, and that picture is of what God does later on through Jesus Christ dying on the cross of Calvary. Look with me, if you will, look it down at verse number 3. Notice it, verse number 3. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. That again speaks of redemption. Look at the rest of verse 3. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Now that's a big statement. He literally says, listen Israel, I gave nations for you. I handed them over. Literally they were the ransom for you. Nations and countries for your redemption is what the price that I paid. And it doesn't end there. Look at verse 14. Verse number 14 of the same chapter. Thus saith the Lord God, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. Literally, you know what God is saying? I leveled Babylon for you. I destroyed a nation for you, to deliver you, to redeem you. So boy, Egypt, Ethiopia, Seba, now Babylon, God is saying, look at this price to me. Why? Why did God care so much about Israel that he would spend and and take care of other nations as a ransom for Israel? Well, he answers the question in verse number four. Notice it. Love it. Since thou was precious in my sight. Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. 
Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. You know the bottom line is? They are precious to God. He loves them, and so therefore, he will give a high price for them. And today, my friend, I want you to revel in, I want you to relish the simple truth that you are precious to God. You are precious. More than anything, you are precious to God. I'll tell you, my friend, that ought to move our hearts this morning. And you and I sit here, and who am I? I'll tell you, Stephen Henry, boy, he made mistakes this past week. He's not all that he ought to be, and yet I'm still precious to God. And before I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I had a new nature through Christ, God looked on me, and he said, wow, Stephen is precious to me. Now, I'll tell you, my friend, a God that loves you that much is a very great God. He looks at you and I, you're precious. Beyond description. He loves us deeply and greatly. And that is the reason why he gave something else that was precious for our redemption. You know it well. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. We're precious that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ. Love committed unto us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's good. Listen, Christian. Child of God. It is good for you today to think that you are precious to your God. See, the world may hate you. Others may despise and reject you, but you belong to God. And as you belong to God, you are precious to Him, so precious that He redeemed you because of His love for you. And you know, my friend, the powerful consequence of this highly priced redemption is that you belong to Him. That He from heaven right now is talking to you and He says, Thou art mine. Man, for God to put that type of claim upon us ought to touch our hearts. Unless that we are tempted to think that there is something in each one of us to merit this uh, that has drawn God toward us. God even speaks through Isaiah and reminds Israel that their redemption and them belonging to him is truly undeserved. Look at verse 23 of the same chapter. Look at verse 23 of chapter 43 and we'll actually read verse 24 too. God speaking through Isaiah to Israel, Thou hast brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings. In other words, not your best offerings. <laughs> Neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. In other words, they didn't do their best in what they gave to God. I have not, I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast bought me no sweet cane with money. Neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. And thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. Now I wonder this morning, if heaven could talk, if the roles of heaven and the recording of what you and I have done this past week would it be said that we wearied our god with our sins this week and we wore him down and every time he looked at us boy we were messing up here we we're saying this and we're reacting this way and we're doing this and in a way that we ought not to and in our sins and our iniquity literally wearied god i would have to say that certainly before we came to know jesus christ that had to be true And yet in that moment when you and I had nothing to offer, totally undeserving of redemption, you know what God said? You're precious. You're precious. 
When we were the ugliest we could be with sin, when we had not lived in any way to, to, to merit it, God says we're precious. We don't bring and we cannot bring anything to the table. This redemption is all of him. Our sin and our iniquities are great liabilities. We have nothing to offer God as a reason for him to redeem us. To sacri- no sacrifice is good enough to barter with God to purchase our redemption, our deliverance. Nothing in and of ourselves that makes us precious. Take a child or a, even a young teenager, if you will, that has in their possession a favorite blankie or stuffed animal. Now listen, if you're, if you're 40, 50, 60, and you have a blankie or stuffed animal, that's okay too, okay? I still actually gave my kids one of my animals, and I, uh, a stuffed animal. My dad gave me back when he was a pa- Goodness, this must have been almost 35 years ago. And I remember passing that stuffed animal on to my kids. So I'm one of you if you have one of those, okay? And uh, a stuffed animal, that, you think about that. You see that all the time, right? You see a kid with a stuffed animal, a, a blankie, whatever the case may be. And when you and I look at it, that stuffed animal, that blankie, may appear old, ratty, ragged, dirty, uh, falling apart, whatever the description. It is unlovely. Why? Due to the wear and tear of life, normal life. You and I see that it's like, ooh, that's disgusting. But boy, you you ask that child what it is, and man, they'll grab that thing, they'll hug that thing, and they'll, they think it is the loveliest thing they could ever have, the most beautiful thing. I have one son, and I'm telling you, he has a blankie, and to call it a blankie is, is kind. Because it's more like just a bunch of threads walled up together. I mean, it, it, it's hardly a blanket. In fact, Mrs. Camille has performed blanket CPR on the blanket. She tried to restore it and breathe life into this blanket. And if you would see this blankie today, you would say, wow, that place, that, the only place that deserves to be is in the garbage. <laughs> it needs to be thrown away because literally it's in threads. But I'll tell you to my son, that is the most precious thing in the world. Now listen, Christian, you are the most precious thing to God. You're precious. But pastor, you don't, this week, man, I really messed up. I lost my anger and I lost my cool and and I said this and I thought this. Boy, I am the most wicked sinner. You may be, but I'll tell you, my friend, I sure am delighted that I'm still precious to God. You're precious, and you belong to him. Yes, it ought to move us to live holy and godly before him, to obey his word. But I'll tell you, my friend, you are precious. Thou art mine, and that ought to thrill our heart and soul daily. Yes, it ought to move us to live good, well and righteously. Yes, holy, but it won't change the fact that we are precious in his sight. Oh, my friend, relish your position before your God. You see, you and I, as we sit here today, to the world, we're probably worth very little. We're hardly noticeable. You and I were insignificant to say the least. We have little to offer and nothing about us is truly worth redeeming. But I'm thankful that is not so in God's eyes. To him we are precious. And this morning, if you're here and you say, wait a second, Pastor Henry, I don't know. I've never put my faith and trust in Christ. I don't know if I die today that I'm going to heaven. Can I tell you, even in this moment, in sin, you are precious to God. He wants today to be your day of redemption. The day that you come to put your faith and trust in Christ. 
fact, you are so precious that he appropriated Jesus Christ as the price for your redemption. He sent Jesus Christ to die, to die on the cross for you. And the powerful consequence of that is as you put your, as you put your faith and trust in him, you belong to God. Heaven will say today as you put your faith and trust in him, thou art mine. There's no greater assurance than that truth. So are you this morning? Have you put, are you his? Do you belong to him? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ alone? Let's see another truth in verse number one. We turn our attention there. Not only is there an appropriated price uh, that is, it brings the powerful consequence of belonging to him, but secondly, there's an assuring presence. And my friend, this is a wonderful assurance. See, belonging to God, if I put my faith and trust in Him, I am redeemed, it, it, it gives me His assuring presence. There's no need to fret over present trials. There's no need to fear future threats. There's indeed a wonderful assurance given to those who believe in this passage. I want you to see a part of the, this assurance. We might uh, describe it as um, we can be assured of this. Notice at verse 2. When thou passest through the waters... I'll be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And what a great promise, isn't it? Hey, you're mine. And now listen, you can be assured of my presence. I, I will be with thee. I think it's a great truth. And we would put it in this context. As I belong to him, I know that he has assured me of what? Number one, his presence in the midst of current trials. I love the metaphor in verse number two. Describing the trials of life that come. They're of every flavor. They're of every stripe. They are like floods in overwhelming rivers and waters. They are like consuming fires that burn all around us and on all sides. That's the picture here. No life, we have said it time and time again, no life is free from trials, from the overwhelming waters, from the fires. No existence can escape them. They are part and parcel of life here on earth. There's no promise to any person, even a believer, a child of God, that we will escape trials and troubles, that they will bypass those who belong to him. But we can take God's promise to heart that, as he said in verse 2, I'm going to be with you through those deep waters, through the storms that, that rage, and through the fires that burn all around you, the trials and difficult circumstances. I'll be with you. Think of it in terms of even Israel and what they would have remembered in history. I've often dreamed and thought, daydreaming if you want to describe it as that, I've often dreamed what it would have been like to, to walk with the Israelites through the midst of the river, blocked by God on both sides, and they're following it here on, on a dry river bed as they leave Egypt, and they're looking in the water, the overwhelming waters on both sides, and, and in front of them, a cloud is there, and we know that the cloud represented what? The very presence of God in their midst. And man, what it would have been. Wouldn't it have been neat? I often, okay, I've been to some aquariums and, and some aquariums that are several stories and you're looking up at all this water and I've tried in that moment to picture walking there through the Red Sea. What if that water could just come gushing down? Not that shark. I don't think I'd like that, okay? 
But what if that water, I mean, literally as you're walking, I mean, the water on both sides. Man, wouldn't that have been something? And I think of that when I read this verse. Man, what those Israelites thought, and they kept their eyes. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, are we all alone? Nope, nope. There's, there's the pillar of a cloud. We know God's with us here in the midst of this overwhelming water. I have often imagined, too, wondered, they're in the lion's den and probably the, the greatest trial and persecution that any of us could face. Could, could Daniel see the, the angel? Did God open his eyes as he did Elisha and others at times to see angels? And did he see the, the angel coming and closing the lion's mouth? Could he sense that, that, that wow, God is, is controlling and working and, and moving in this situation? Hey, even here in the lion's den, God is with me. Could he do that? I, I just want, I, I want to know. Could, did God open his eyes to see the, the angel closing the mouths? Oh, we talked a few weeks ago. Man, wouldn't it have been neat to stand with Elisha and his servant? There in that city, they're surrounded by the bloodthirsty enemy that had come to take him captive and certainly kill him, ready to take him away. And they are surrounded, and he walks out, and, and then for the eyes to be opened and to see the warriors of God, a fire filling the mountains all around the enemy. Can I tell you, I think you'd be assured in that moment that God was with you. How did Elisha put it? Oh, greater are those that are with us than those against us. May I tell you this morning that whatever fire, whatever overwhelming river you face this week, greater is he that is with you than those that are against you. Probably the one that I think would be most amazing, forgive me if I, if I daydream too much about scriptures, but probably the story that I think would be the greatest to be a part of, to be it with, that I've wondered, I've imagined about, the, those three Hebrew children. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, as they were, were taken to the, they would not bow down before a, a false god. And, and they said, listen, God may deliver us. He may not. But regardless, we know God's going to take care of us. And they ushered them there to the fiery furnace and heated up hotter than, than normal. And they take those three young men in. They put them in the fiery furnace. Those who delivered them even died because of the heat. And they're thrown in this fiery furnace. I wonder just for a moment what it would have been like to look around in the fiery furnace and say, oh, Hananiah. Azariah, Mishael, wait a minute, who? God's with us. Even through this burning, fiery furnace, my God is with me. I just wonder if for a moment they didn't want to come out. No, no, no. We're with our God. He's with us. This is the greatest difficult situation we've ever faced in our life. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't change it for the world because my God's with me. I'll tell you, my friend, when you and I belong to God, he says, I'll be with thee. You go through cancer, you, you go through financial difficulty, you go through relationship problems and people treating you wrong and being unkind and judgmental and hateful. Can I tell you, my friend, it does not matter how deep the water, it does not matter how hot the fire, your God said he'll be with you because you belong to him. I'll tell you, my friend, that makes my heart jump. 
that brings great joy this morning, not to each of us. I'm with him. I'm with him. Thou art mine. What a great truth. You know what you and I need to do? We need to come to the realization and understand that this is a constant promise. As he said in verse 2, I will be with thee. It's constant. As with the saints of old, he is with you and me. So this week, as you and I go through Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and we face different trials, different difficulties, things of life come our way, you and I need to look around. You know what we need to see? We need to see our God right there with us. Those three young Hebrews, God's here. As the Israelites going through the Red Sea, look, God's here. Every step of the way, Elisha, open up your eyes and see God's here. God's here. You're not alone. And you and I can daily declare I'm with him. And my friend, that'll make any day, any trial, any circumstance doable. Notice, secondly, not only are we promised that his presence in the midst of current trials, but his assuring presence uh, also promises this, his presence in the midst of future fears. His presence in the midst of future fears. God literally says, hey, redeemed one, hey, loved one, hey, precious one. Notice it, verse 1, he says, fear not. Don't fear. Don't fear. Fear not what might come, what looms on the horizon, what you're going to face later today, what you're going to face later this week, what you're going to face this upcoming year. Don't fear what may happen, what may come, what seems inevitable. Don't fear the unnamed trial, the yet unknown, difficult and trying situation that comes. Don't fear it. And he says this in context of the future. Look ahead to verse number five, if you will, with me. Notice verse number five. He says this, fear not. For I am with thee. And then he goes to describe what's going to happen in the future. Hey, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bring some back from the east and some from the west and north and so forth. I'm going to take care of you. Everyone that's called by my name, I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to bring them back. He's saying this in context of future. Fear not. Leave it to God. God will take care of it. That's his promise to you and I. Now listen, it's not his promise to everyone. It's his promise to those who belong to him who are redeemed whose account has had the appropriation of the price who now have the promise of his assured presence don't fear the future and all the what ifs the possibility of bad things come on we would attest and agree this morning that you and i we live in a time in which the future is is both exciting and worrisome we see what we might have said in, in years gone by, that we are creeping ever closer to Revelation. It seems like we're in a full sprint now, doesn't it? That Revelation's right around the corner. And it is both exciting and worrisome at the same time. Worrisome in what lies between here and the rapture. And yet God says, don't worry. You see, in the midst of a world, yea, maybe even in the midst of a life that can at best be described as chaotic and full of turmoil, God says, if you belong to me, don't fear. Don't worry. He would encourage us to do this today. Listen, rest in the assurance of my presence, both in the trial of today and the turmoil of tomorrow. Just rest in it. You belong to him, Christian. Claim what you have. Look and say, thou art mine. I'm his. I'm with him. And when I'm with him, I can rest in his assurance he'll be there. 
the trial of today and the turmoil of tomorrow, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to fret. If we were honest this morning on the, our human side, wouldn't we say we have a lot to worry about? Our next paycheck, we go home and the, uh, the heat's working or the car runs or whatever the case may be. Uh, lunch hasn't burnt down the house, whatever the case. We have a lot to worry about. We could worry about. On a human side, we have a lot we could worry about. A sickness hit us, and, and, and just, I was reading just an article about a 21-year-old who came down with ammonia, and it was dead a couple days later. We have a lot that we could worry about. But can I tell you, when you and I belong to God, we don't have to. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. Don't let what could happen in the future, don't let the trials of today ruin your day. No, no, no. Remember who you belong to. I'm with Him. Now, that's a great blessing, isn't it? It's a wonderful result of belonging to him, to have that assurance. One last thing, and real quick, and we're done. Notice it. Because we belong to him, you know what we see? We see our assigned purpose. See, there's an appropriated price that brings us the wonderful consequence of belonging to him. There's an assuring presence that that gives us a wonderful assurance both today and tomorrow. And then we are given, because we belong to him, an assigned purpose. Literally, a meaningful existence. You see, one of the great realities of belonging to something or someone is that it gives us purpose. It gives us a reason for existence. When I belong to something, I now have identity and I have a meaning for existence, a purpose to life. And so it is. When you and I have a relationship with God based upon our redemption purchased by Jesus Christ, you and I have a purpose. Now listen, write this down. To be called by His name is to be called to a purpose. Throughout the Scriptures, we are told that we are called by His name. And, and here He says, I call thee by thy name. And yet, later on, we certainly know that, that God calls Israel by His name. We are called by His name. We are called Christians. And so to be called by His name, a follower, a disciple of Christ, is to be called to a purpose. Isaiah details it in this passage. Look at Isaiah chapter, or chapter 43, verse 10. The first part of verse 10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, or my servant whom I have chosen. Now, as he identifies, to belong to him is that, is a call that we will be witnesses for him, one way or the other. That's our purpose now, our calling. To whom are we called to be witnesses? Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes. Now, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Blind people that have eyes. And the deaf that have ears. Literally, that have hearing is the Hebrew. Let all the nations be gathered together. Let the people be assembled who among them can declare this and show us former things. Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say it is truth. Notice verse 10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. And my servant, who I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he before he. There was no God form, neither shall there be after me. You know, it has been said this. Listen to me very carefully. It has been said this, and you maybe have heard it. All the world a stage. You may have heard that statement. It's a familiar statement. All the world a stage. But spiritually speaking, can I tell you what we ought to say? We ought to say this. All the world is a courtroom. All the world is a courtroom. Because why? You and I are called to be witnesses daily. We are called before the courtroom of nations gathered of people. And I like it. How's he describing them? Blind, but they have eyes. 
They're spiritually blind, but they can see you and how you live tomorrow and how you belong to him and what impact that's going to have on your life. Oh, they're deaf, but they have ears to hear. They can hear how you talk. They can hear what you have to say about your God. And so you and I are called to be witnesses day in and day out, calling to testify about God. That's our purpose. To belong to him is to be called by his name, and to be called by his name gives life purpose. We are literally created anew in salvation for the glory of God. Look at verse 7. He says this, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him, why? For my glory. And I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. And we could say in salvation, he has made us anew. We have been born again. And now we have purpose. Amen? To testify and to witness of him. So what is it that that even Isaiah says that we testify of God? Look at verse 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. My friend, there's nothing else in the world that can save a person. There's no other way to heaven but by Jesus Christ. The only name given under heaven among men whereby you must be saved. Notice verse 12. I have declared and, and I have, and have saved and, and I have showed and when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, notice the statement. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord. And what are we to witness of? That I am God. Our testimony through our words and our living is simple. There is but one God, one Lord, and one Savior. It is testifying in our words and our actions that he is the one and only true God. In the context of the next several verses, God is speaking of his sovereign control over everything, how he determines the future. And that's a wonderful testimony that you and I are able to say. Listen, what he is saying is this. You belong to me, and I am the God who determines the future. I am sovereign. I am in control of all things. Now, I'll tell you, you and I have a great testimony to be able to say this. I belong to him. I belong to the one who controls the future. You know, everybody likes to name drop, don't they? Hey, gentlemen, back here, could you guys stop smiling and smirking and everything else, please? It's very disturbing, please, okay? So stop whispering and everything else. Thank you. Okay, people like to drop names. They really do. They like to say, oh, well, I know so-and-so, and I know this person, and I know this, and I know this. They like to say, ah, I'm familiar. Can I tell you what you can say? I belong to the God who controls everything. Now, my friend, I, you can't trade that for the world. That's not worth a million dollars. That's not worth a billion dollars. You can't buy that. You can't earn it. It comes from God, his goodness, his redemption that you and I choose to put our faith and trust in Christ. And it comes from him and you, you and I taking him in faith. And as we do, you know what he says? Thou art mine. See, in a world that is desperately yearning and longing, To know who knows the future, you and I daily get to testify of the one who holds the future in his hand. That's what we're called to. This this is our responsibility, our, our call, if we may put it, our assigned purpose. Now, existence is meaningful. It's truly amazing. May we put it this way? That as all the world is in his hands, every leader's heart, one of the great verses of the Bible promises that, that the hearts of every leader is in his hands. He directeth it as he wants from President Trump to the House and uh, to the Senate to people around the world that are leaders. Their hearts are in his hands and he directs them. 
And so it is truly amazing that you and I get to say, I'm with him about such a great God. We get to witness about that. We get to testify that. We get to point the world to the one that sits upon the throne of heaven and earth. And we get to declare that he alone is God. It's a wonderful purpose and calling. And it is the most meaningful existence that any human can have. Don't forget it. As you belong to him, you have an assigned purpose. And it gives meaning to life. I'm a witness now. And I get to tell people about the greatest God, the one and only true God, the God who's, who holds the future in his hands. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. I belong to him. Thou art mine. Three simple questions as we finish. In context of verse 1. Again, allow me some flexibility here. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Christian, and he that formed thee, O believer, fear not. For I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. First question, do you belong to him this morning? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ? Are you his? Number two, are you experiencing his assuring presence today? Maybe you're here this morning and you know you're already in the midst of a trial and and, and reality is you've lost sight that God is with you. Can I encourage you to pray this morning that God would open your eyes this week to see him right there with you in the midst of your trial and circumstances. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes our heart is not encouraged and reminded about the simple truth that he is with us. Maybe you need to stop this morning and say, Father, thank you for being with me. Boy, I've taken your presence for granted that you're going to be with me through the fire and through the the rivers. And boy, you've been with me every step of the way. And God, I have not said it enough. I sure am thankful I belong to you. And you're with me. Maybe you need to stop worrying and fearing the future. Because when you keep it in your mind that you belong to him and he has the whole future in his hands and he is in control, can I tell you, my friend, when you have that thought, you won't worry about it. You're not going to fret about the future. But maybe that's the case this morning. Maybe you just need to ask for the strength and the, to rest in the assurance that he's going to take care of it all. And then last but not least, it demands this question. Are you fulfilling your purpose, Christian? Are you being the witness? Uh, well, you belong to him, and he says from heaven, thou art mine. Do people know it? My wife was reading a book just last, last night, I believe, yeah, it was, and she shared a statistic with me, and I, forgive me, I don't know the numbers, but it was an amazing truth. There was like uh, 85% of some people that were polled and, and such, and forgive me for my numbers, but of all the people that knew, or excuse me, I think it was this, of the, all the people that were polled, 85% knew Christians. And then they asked this question, how different are the Christians that you know from the unbelievers that you know. So 85% new believers and, and unbelievers, I believe, if I'm correct, I may be wrong, but it was about 85. But I do know this number for sure. I remember this because it just blew my mind away as she shared it with me. Of those people that knew believers and unbelievers, you know how much they said there was a difference between believers and unbelievers? Of 85%, you know how much? 3%. 3% in how they live differently. Now, can I tell you, my friend, that ought not so to be. Because one of the way we are witnesses is certainly by our mouth and certainly handing out tracts, but it is also how we live. We are to be holy, even as our Father which is in heaven is holy. So how is it for you? 
Have you lived up to your assigned or, let me say, your purpose? The meaning for your existence. Are you letting the world know who you belong to? Are you telling them all about your great God? Are you bringing him glory through your witness and living and in your words? Can I encourage you this morning, what is left for you and I to do from such a message as this morning is now to go make careful, practical application. Let's make some decisions and let's say, okay, God, I belong to you. You've said from heaven, thou art mine. Now this week, I want to live like someone who's wearing a shirt with an arrow not pointing to me but pointing to heaven, saying, I'm with him.